1: Hey, so I had this awesome video to like be the segue, um, and it's just not working, so that's okay. Uh, it's a, from a movie that's not child-appropriate um, called Step Brothers, um, with Will Ferrell in it. Anybody ever seen Step Brothers? You can admit it. I've seen it. It's one of my favorite movies. All right, twice. You've seen it three times? I don't know what that... Two, three? This is an awkward hand raise. I don't know what this... Um, anyway, uh, we're starting a new series tonight called James, and James is the... Uh, brother of Jesus. So uh, they are two adult brothers in the movie and they're uh, putting their beds together to make them bunk beds and it's a hilarious scene. So we're all at this point, just gonna like awkwardly laugh at my awesome video. Ready, one, two, three. See, thanks guys, funny video, awesome. Great, well hey, my name is Philip. I am one of the pastors here at Awaken. We're happy that you're with us. It's our family gathering night as you're obviously aware where we take time to share a meal together around a table and also have conversation. The night does look a little bit differently, obviously, in how it's formatted and laid out. A couple of things just to kind of jump into the series tonight as we kind of get started. Uh, The first one is that uh, hopefully you got an email this week uh, from us letting you have access to our 40-day devotional. Um, That's a free gift for you to use and access. You're welcome to print that out. Um, There's actually a couple of copies in the back on the welcome table, courtesy of Lonnie Jocelyn, who uh, bound a few of those and brought those in out of the goodness of her heart. So thank you, Lonnie. Let's all do a big round of applause for Lonnie. She would love that. Yeah. They actually genuinely clapped for you and the awkward laugh was terrible. So you're definitely winning this right now, good job. Um, So we have as a gift for you in the back. There's a couple copies. Um, If you want another one, please talk to Lonnie. She's offered to help make sure you guys are resourcing that, and obviously it's online as well um, for you to print off or for you to walk through electronically if you so choose to. Um, That devotional is not something that we're like mandating for you to use. It's just simply designed to be a resource. But I've talked to actually about a handful of you guys in the last couple of days um, at IMC and then also to some personal conversations That I think there is a common trend right now in our gathering about um, probably Scripture is probably not something that you, I say you in the general sense, that that you are strongly walking in as a pathway in your life. And so if that's you and you feel like you don't have a healthy, regular rhythm of Scripture in your life, then I think the next 40 days starting tonight um, or starting tomorrow, if you want, kind of walk through this series with us. James is one of the most challenging and practical books in the Bible. It's an amazing book and I'm really excited to jump into that with you guys over the next several weeks. You'll hear from myself and Jeff and Connie in the series and in that process we want to help really unpack some of the very challenging but also the very practical things that are said in this book and the devotional really complements that well. Um, If you're married I would encourage you and your spouse to kind of do that together Um, and it's also written in a way that, um, a preteen or a teenager would also, I think, find value too. So figure out maybe how to incorporate that into your family, uh, in your MC level, whatever works best for you, but that's a resource just designed to bless you in the process. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into James chapter one, and, uh, we'll spend about 10 minutes talking through a couple of scriptures today from James chapter one. So let's pray. Jesus, thanks for tonight, just the opportunity, the, uh, the chaos All the things that go into a family gathering, God, we absolutely love these dinners because it's in these moments, God, that oftentimes you just show up in creative ways. And so, God, we give you permission and access to come in and do whatever you want to do tonight in our conversations, um, in the teaching, in the worship, um, in the midst of just meeting up with an old friend. God, would you continue just to speak uh, and, and be alive and present in this worship gathering space? And God, we just pray that you um, people leave here not only challenged, but also encouraged and excited about, God, what you're doing uh, in their life and also in our church's life in general. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So uh, tonight we're going to jump into James chapter 1. We're just going to read a couple of the first verses out of James. Um, The first verse, which is not going to be up on a slide, if you have a Bible and you want to look through it, our Bible app, James chapter 1 Uh, again, the brother of Jesus, could have chosen to start the letter that gets circulated amongst what he refers to as the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, He is a Jewish, obviously, individual, and really preaching and teaching and passing this letter along to Jewish Christians at at this point. And maybe it's for a lack uh, of—maybe it's it's for humility, or maybe it's just because he wants to make one thing abundantly clear. But he begins the whole letter by saying, James— Uh, a slave or a servant of Jesus Christ. I think it's pretty uh, important that you just remember that in the context of here's a man, although we don't hear a whole lot about Jesus' upbringing, we do know that Jesus was surrounded by brothers and sisters, had a mom and a dad, and although we don't hear a whole lot about it, here is a man who grew up with Jesus writing a letter to the early church. In fact, many uh, people would actually say that this is probably the first letter that was circulated amongst numerous bodies of believers in the early church. And so this is kind of one of the first letters that kind of gets passed around uh, by a pretty obviously well-known person, and he chooses the posture of I'm a slave or a servant of Christ in this process, which, again, I think is really telling about his heart. So let's read through the first couple of verses together. they will be up here on the slide um, if you want to follow along with me. James writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an, an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person uh, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So we're going to go through one, two, three, four passages tonight. This is the first one that we're going to kind of walk through. And I'm, I obviously, just basic math here, right? we got four really critical points that James makes, and there are other ones as well. And this is, again, why the devotional is helpful, because you have to kind of dive into all of those throughout this process. I can only hit on a few of them on the surface level, and hopefully you can kind of unpack a few of them in your uh, discussion time tonight as well. But a couple of things here in this first part, and we've talked about this before, we actually used this passage back when we did the Overcome series, um, talking about trials. Uh, a lot of it was actually pulled from James chapter one um, in this process. But we talked about this idea, just as a recap, the distinction between what does it mean to have happiness and what does it mean to have joy? Happiness is a direct result of the circumstances that are going on in your life. So if tomorrow you walk into your boss's office and he gives you a raise or she gives you a raise, you would be happy, right? right? And so oftentimes we use these words joy and happiness interchangeably in our American culture, but they're not meant to be interchangeable especially from a biblical standpoint happiness is absolutely situational and that's okay it's a good thing i want you to be happy right uh sometimes within the church i've even heard people they're so caught up in using the idea of joy as their like go-to word that they i don't i don't care about your happiness i care about this and there's a place for that statement right like if you're only worried about just feeding your emotions in that moment and being moving from one thing to the other for happiness sake there's obviously not wisdom in that but what In this moment, what James is writing about to begin with is talking about not being artificially happy in the midst of your life being turned upside down, right? He's not saying in the midst of all the crappy things going on in your life, like put a smile on your face and like pretend to be happy, right? That's not at all what James is saying. What's interesting is that in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews actually says it this way. I don't have the passage here, but I just wanna reference it for you. He says, that for the joy set before him Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So, I mean, let's just speak practically for one second here. I think this makes the point beautifully. There is absolutely nothing joyful or happy about the crucifixion. Right? It's one of the most gruesome, ugly, um, just abrasive Stories in Scripture and in life, for that matter, that we've never heard of for most of us, and here it is: the author of Hebrews is writing about it, saying Jesus went to the cross with joy, right? And so, I guess the understanding and the reminder of this, and that we want to take away, is Jesus being the one that we imitate in this process. Is that joy is about understanding that all things come from God and that God is in control, that God is at God is is at work in the midst of the situation, even. Jesus going to the cross, Jesus was able to pause and understand that I could find joy in remembering that God, my Father, the one as Mike shared last week, who I am one with, I am a joy in that process. And so I would just encourage you, whether you're in a trial right now, you're coming out of a trial, or you're about to jump into a trial, because everyone falls into one of those three camps, right? Um, and maybe you got one foot in a couple of those camps at the same time, and that happens too. But just to remember that posture of joy versus happiness, right? You may not wake up tomorrow and be happy, and honestly, that's okay, right? We're not looking for you to be artificially happy. That's not what Jesus is about. We're looking for you to find joy in the midst of the trials, and that's what James is writing about. And then there's this beautiful part in there, which we've spoken to numerous times from this platform, about this idea of perfection is not about getting an A-plus on a test. It's about completion, Jesus is interested in transforming your life to where you are complete and whole, not perfect and sinless. Right? Jesus was perfect in a sinless way. Jesus is is now calling us to be perfect in a completion way, a transformative way. There's wholeness that happens, there's healing that happens. It's not possible for us on this side of eternity to find perfection in the form of sinless activities or sinless thoughts or whatever the case may be. It is absolutely possible on this side of eternity to find completion in our lives. And that comes from emotional, spiritual, and physical health that we continue to pursue as it aligns with where God continues to navigate us individually, right? That's a huge part of what James is talking about. Uh, the next part here I want to jump to in James chapter uh, 1, verses 12, says kind of a continuation on this idea of trials and temptations. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised uh, to those who love him. Again, it's easy just for me just to breeze through this tonight. Um, I, I wish we, we weren't, but it's part of the gathering that we have here that I, we want to still have a moment of, of a conversation around Scripture, Right? And so the reality is that it's not about if you will have trials and temptations, right? You will have them. You are probably in some of them. (laughs) You just came out of one. It's understanding that part of what God is trying to do is to not eliminate trials out of your life, right? That's not God's job. He will not do that. His role is to walk with you through them to help you find transformation in the process and that transformation oftentimes happens as we practice patience and endurance so instead of praying the prayer of God take this away from me God what are you trying to teach me in this and how can you help me endure this right, that perspective change is important for us as believers to think through Because then we get angry and frustrated at a God who doesn't remove something from our life. When God's like, the issue here is not the removing of something. The issue is growing you in the midst of something. Do you see the perspective difference in those two things? And that changes how we pray, how we speak about it, how we posture ourselves around it. So I want to give you three simple things here. If you want to write them down, great. If you want to take a picture of the slide here behind me, you can do that too. But three to simple things that I think God wants you to hear tonight about these trials and temptations especially. So the first one is that you are going to get trials. They are going to happen. It, this is not something that you can avoid. Um, I don't know if you've uh, heard in any kind of Christian format before, but just to speak very clearly black and white about it, The promise of Christianity is not about the avoidance of trial or the elimination of heartache in your life. If anything, it's an invitation for more of it. So what you're you're saying is, by following Jesus, I'm choosing to walk into a life that I understandably know will possibly create more trials in my life by me choosing the hard road of following Jesus. So you will have trials in your life. James assures us that. Your life story, I'm sure, can back that up, right? My life story can back that up. But the reality is to remember that, again, it's not about the avoidance of trials. It's the reminder that we will have trials in our life. Number two, remind yourself that it's a test, but it's also an opportunity. Again, this speaks about the the perspective and uh, and the lens that you choose to view the situations in your life through. So in in the moments that you have these trials that come up, the attitude that you choose to take, the way that you look at them, they absolutely impact every person around you. It's a ripple effect. So if I'm negative, if I'm pessimistic, if I'm woe is me, if I'm rainy cloud, always hovers over me, there's this dark thing that always is around my life, then there's an opportunity that I've missed to not only walk through my trials with people, but also invite them to seek healing and transformation with me through that trial. There's also a test of my spirit I think it's pretty fair to say in my life, and probably for you too, that some of the most mature, healthiest believers that I've ever interacted with, it's in those moments of trials that I get to see how they survive and how they endure it. And God reminds me of some amazing people in my life when I watch them walk through things, and I also watch them come, along, come alongside me as I walk through things. There's a test and a reminder that this is not meant to be done privately. There's a communal piece to this in this process. And the third one is that you will get trials of various kinds. They're going to look different. Not all of them are going to be of a magnitude of a mountain, right? And they're all not going to be an anthill, right? There's going to be a variety of different trials that you have. But learning the same posture and that the same God who loves you immensely will walk through you regardless of what they look like. So as we talked about during the family talk series, there's not a one-size-fits-all answer, right? But what is an answer is that you learn principles and action steps that can apply regardless of the situation or the trial that you're in. And one of those that we constantly talked about in this setting, and also obviously through the, just the DNA of our church, is that we want you to be in relationship and living in community with other people. If your trials are only your trials privately, then man, you're missing part of the gospel story completely let am say that again. If you're only walking through trials individually and privately, you're missing part of the gospel. The gospel invites us into community and invites us to walk through the hardest times with other people, even when you don't want to, even when it's harder to walk through it with people versus doing it on your own. And some of you need to hear that last sentence. Because oftentimes it's easier for us to do it on our own. But the transformation happens when we do it with other people both in your life and in their life. Does that make sense? Let's keep moving here. Uh, the third verse I want you to read here, this is kind of uh, where I want to land on the, the conversation tonight to kind of move into questions. James 1.22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. As a cheesy statement here, and I get to make it because i got a microphone. James was the inventor of the Nike slogan, Just do it, Right? he was the one that said, hey, look, don't just talk about it, right? Many of us, just for being honest, and I'll, be, I'll be frank, the things that have honestly um, irritated me and frustrated me in the church, collectively, the Big C church, is when I sit around the room and we just talk about things as Christians. But we don't actually do anything with it. No, I don't think there's probably anything that irritates me more than, than, than people that just sit around and talk about things. Now, That goes to also my personality, I'm aware of that, but Jesus calls us to not just be people that listen to the word, but also figure out a way to put it into motion. And so for many of you in this room that have been walking with the Lord to some degree, whether it's been a couple months, a couple years, whatever the case may be, your hang-up is not some... New worship song. It's not some phenomenal teaching that someone gives. It's not even potentially like a great conversation you have over a coffee or a beer with someone. What needs to happen is that these things that you know that God wants for you, that you stop just knowing them and start doing them. And the onus is solely placed on each shoulder, each of our own shoulders. Now, we can provide accountability for each other. But you have to choose the willingness to walk in to where God has things for you. And maybe these things can ignite that for you, a worship song, a teaching, a conversation. But at the end of the day, most of us in this room, we know what God is asking us to do. The hang-up is not in the knowledge portion. It's moving it from our head to our hands and to our heart. And if we could do one thing to kind of eliminate that blockage I think it would not only help us individually but our church would flourish like crazy in the process so I think that's an important thing for us to hear tonight I'm gonna give you one practical thing here as I wrap it up here the end of the chapter the very last verse James kind of says it this way which I think is a beautiful statement he says pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the father means caring for the orphans and the widows and their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you man we could do a whole sermon on that one verse right But he gives a practical example at the end of the chapter, but I love the very, very end. He says, but don't let the world corrupt you. The world complains. Jesus says, speak words of life. The world argues and, and bickers with each other. Jesus says, go and be a peacemaker. Don't let the world corrupt you. The world is void of a lot of hope right now. Be a hope giver in the environments that God's placed you in. But it's impossible for you to give something that you don't already have and so here we go this is the final thing i want to give you tonight on your tables in case you're not aware and probably most of you have heard this language by now there's questions there but there's also a handout for you tonight there's more if you need more Uh, there's also tables in the back that have extra copies of it but there's pathways there that we talk about within our missional communities within our dcs and as a church at large we've talked about this for a couple years now these pathways are practical tools to help you in James one twenty two move from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. And it's in that process that it can give you the language but also the vehicles to help you navigate what does it mean for me to be, the, be a disciple of Christ? And as you continue to live as a disciple of Christ, I think God is going to transform you in that process. So a lot of us in the room, we just need to have some practical steps around just help me figure out what I need to do. And we've talked about this before, I just want to highlight it. This is one key piece here. The pathways are not just discipleship tasks that you accomplish, check the box, and move on. The reason why we call them pathways is that you walk into them. And so maybe for you, if Scripture is a pathway that you're not strong in, maybe just reading this five-minute, ten-minute devotional every day for the next 40 days is going to be a huge task. Maybe you read James chapter 1 once a week. Maybe that's where you start. But it's a pathway because, see, if I were to be, if I were just to read James chapter 1 once a week, I would not be living into where God's called me to be in Scripture. Because that's, that, that's not where he has me. He wants me to be doing more things than just that. But that's where God has you. That's part of the pathway where God has you, right? So that's the understanding of how these pathways work out in our lives. So you've got uh, four questions there in front of you that I want you to look at. And if you want to take those handouts home, they're there for you as well. But uh, the action step, kind of for you for to the questions here, is to kind of reevaluate where you are on these pathways. If you've never looked at them before, then look at them for the very first time, but reevaluate where you are on these pathways, and then find accountability with someone, and figure out how you can grow into at least one of these pathways over the next few days. So that's one very simple, practical step that you can incorporate. And then you have four questions there. I'm sorry, three questions there for you. Nope, there's four. I apologize. Four questions uh, on the card there, and they'll also be up here on the screen for you. The first question: What does joy look like in your current situation? What is one area in your life uh, that you, one area of life that you are or need to be asking for God's wisdom in right now? Number three: Which pathway needs your attention right now, and what specifically do you need to be doing with it? And then the fourth one, who is someone that can hold you accountable into living out a pure and genuine religion like James described? You don't have to get through all four of these questions, but they're all there for you, um, and hopefully if nothing else, you can kind of ponder them, you know, later on if you don't get through all of them. So we're going to spend about 15 minutes or so uh, and dive into some table conversation, and uh, then we'll come back into a quick panel discussion to kind of see if you have any other questions, you know, as a church for our leadership team or anyone else for that matter. So Go ahead and jump into conversation and I'll see you guys in about 15 minutes. All right. Okay, cool. hopefully that was a, a good dialogue. Uh, we didn't actually even get through all the questions at our table, so maybe that was uh, how your table, uh, the speed at what your table was at as well. And that's okay, right? There's not a, a rule that you have to get through all the questions there. They're just designed to be helpful and bounce around as needed. Uh, was there um, maybe a question or a thought, um, anything pertaining to whether it's trials or wisdom or happiness or joy or some of the things that have been talked about tonight that you have a question about or maybe a, a, a follow-up statement about? I'll, I'll, uh, yes. I will be your hands. Ooh. <laughs> um, wow. Don't
2: make it weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I guess... I'll just share. We were talking about like our home buying decision that we have um, you know, our house is, is under contract, which is awesome, but it also puts the pressure on us that we need to find somewhere to live. So um, we've just been talking about uh, how we need really need God to, to guide us in that. And Neil was talking about told us this awesome story about signs and all that. And yeah, I don't know, just going. <laughs>
0: I mean, that the, that Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that <was> yeah. <laughs> Neil, do you want to tell everybody else about the signs? Yeah, um, uh, we start when we were talking about joy. We were talking about circumstances, and that came up. And and um, one of my favorite stories is the story of Gideon uh, from Judges. And uh, Gideon was a coward. Uh, and ended up being, God chose him to lead uh, lead his people. And he ended up having to make decisions. And so uh, he set out fleece overnight uh, and challenged God to make one of the fleece wet. And God did, but he didn't believe it. So he did it on another night and he didn't believe it. And so he challenged again the next night and he asked God to make everything else wet and keep that one dry. And God did it and he finally knew what to do. And so, this, this, we were talking a little bit about the signs that, that, uh, God gives you and, and this idea that you'll just know. And that's not the case most of the time. And that story is proof that when you come to decisions, when you come to things that are giving you anxiety, that you can rest in the fact that you can challenge God to prove where he's putting you. And so when you make decisions, make decisions about purpose, not about placement. Uh, Particularly for their house, it's, uh, don't, don't say, God, is this the right house? Say, God, how are you going to use me in this neighborhood? Uh, let God guide you based on purpose, not on location. That's good stuff. Thanks. We kind of revolved around two things at our table. Sorry. Um, does anybody want to share them from our table? <laughs> oh,
2: um, so we talked about... Um, how when you're going through tough times and things are just not fun, how being thankful for what you have can be really helpful. Like right now, we're going through housing stuff that's thing after thing has happened and money and trying to figure things out is has not been fun. So I've started trying to practice thanking God for you know my family and having a place to live and having a place to sleep, being able to afford food, like the little things of knowing that I have so much to be grateful for. And that changes my perspective a little bit to find more joy. Um, We also talked about how it was important to um, look back on where we've been to see where we've come from and um, just notice our growth and able to realize that we've grown a lot and take joy in where we are now
1: that's good connie are you going to share
3: malachi is gonna right one of his answers to one of the questions. so which question the pathways so malachi is going to answer which pathway that he feels he needs to pay attention to right now awesome um accountability Because, um, I feel like what would help me reach my potential would be, uh, finding people that would help me. And I guess that's
1: it. Awesome. Good job, man. Yeah.
3: And I'll tag on something. You made me proud. Um. I was just thinking about when Philip was talking that how personalized trials can be, if that makes sense. Like we, we all sometimes go through the same trials, but we go through them differently. So I've been learning lately how I face trials. And that's usually by becoming paralyzed and not doing anything because I'm too afraid to do something wrong or that I won't know what the next step is. So I just sit still and don't do anything. So I think... One of the best ways to use the pathways and to ha- have them help us personally is to figure out how it is that we personally respond to trials, so that we know how to move forward in them. So that's how—that's what I connected with. Just to add a
1: thought. Yeah, it's good. Um, any other thoughts? I had one final thought. Anyone else you want to share?
3: Malachi has Aim. something else to say. Oh
1: yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah, she needs them. Oh, yeah, thanks.
3: Um, I also feel like accountability would help me because then, uh, when I reach, like when I, uh, become more, like to like become close, you know, when I gain more con- potential, then I can go out and teach other people.
1: That's awesome, man. Good job.
3: That's a tough act to follow.
1: Yeah, good luck.
4: <laughs> I was sharing how joyful I am with my table in almost all areas of my life right now. You know, I moved down here. I have new, really good quality friendships, my church life, my work life, my home life. Everything's wonderful. But lately, at work, there's this lady who I work with who, I mean, if you know me, you know I'm nice to everybody. And she is just mean, viciously mean to me. I've prayed on it and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ignore her and she won't have an opportunity to be mean to me. So she'll like slam things down around me. I mean, she goes out of her way to like make my life miserable while I'm at work. And I've just been wondering like what I I kiss her butt. I'm nice to her. I'm trying every route and it doesn't work no matter what. So I, thanks to my table, have been informed to the next time it happens, tell her, I'm going to continue to love you and be myself around you and be nice to you, no matter how horrible you are to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but I we're still, it.
1: We're still, we're right. still tweaking, we're still tweaking the exact statement, but, but we're with you 100% on that one. No, 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 where you?
4: Yeah, but you get the point. Like, I'm going to continue to be myself and loving and kind and and do my work and and hopes that. And point out to her that I'm going to continue to do it no matter what in hopes that she'll see that like maybe she shouldn't take her inner turmoil out on and, and, and disturbing my inner peace. Yeah. Thank,
1: thank you. There you go. Cool. Um, so the last thing I would just share uh, just part of my personal story lately. Thanks, um, man. Um, is I think for me, I've realized that the struggle around joy, uh, as I read through these ideas of trials and tests and things like that, um, the word that I always come back to is this idea of hope. That it's impossible for me to find joy in the midst of what I'm going through, no matter how terrible it is, if I don't have a heart that connects me to just having hope that God is present, that God exists in this space, and that God will carry me through it, and that there is hope that there is a light at the end of this process. And the reality is that some of the trials that we walk through, for being honest, that hope may be that it happens on the next side of eternity, right? I mean, uh, I hope that God heals someone, and a process, the healing may take place on the next side of eternity, right? But it's this idea that God is still at work in all those things, that hope then fuels the joy that I find even in the midst of the darkest hours in the midst of the storms. In the midst of those trials when I feel tested and there's obstacles that come in, uh, it's finding a way to reset myself. And this is where I would say I'm very thankful for people in my life who help me stay hopeful in the midst of the trials. And so just as a personal piece for me, I know that um, hope and joy. We we're talking about at our table. Brantley shared this, right? They're uh, they're virtuous words, right? They're they're um, they're fruit. They're they're evidence of something that is happening, um, and and really the way that we talk, we have actually virtues as well that are connected to the pathways that we have don't spend actually very much time talking about at all in our community, but. The reality is, just from a pragmatic standpoint, it's impossible for us to become the virtues of things like love and joy and peace and hope if we, don't, if we don't walk in these 12 pathways, if we don't walk into these things that God has for us. Because if you're actively walking in these 12 pathways, I guarantee you the fruit of hope and joy will be present in your life. But the question is not, how do I be more at peace or less angry as my coworker maybe. Maybe the question is, which of these pathways do I need to shore up in my life? Because as I shore up these pathways, God begins to produce the fruit that we need as well. And I think that's part of what James is speaking to, with not just being a hearer, but be a doer. And for us, I think practically speaking, that's where the pathways can give you a vehicle in which to do that in. So we're going to enter into a time of worship. We have two final songs we're going to end with tonight. So I'm going to invite you to stand at this moment. So if you want to go ahead and join me and stand up. We have our uh, worship stations up here, our responsive stations are available for you as well. And so whether you choose to stand at this moment, you want to grab someone's hand and pray, whether you want to interact with one of these stations, these stations are available for you in a moment of worship. Um, And I would just encourage you tonight uh, to really just stop in the midst of these songs that we sing in the same way that James says, don't just be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. Don't just be a singer of the lyrics, but really allow God to move in your heart tonight with what it is that He wants to do. Uh, Worship. And music in general can carry powerful emotion and can move us in many ways. But the reason why we choose to worship at Awaken is because we want to align ourselves as to who we worship, right? And that's an important part of this process. So maybe that will happen tonight, whether you stand there or whether you need to get up and take communion tonight as a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross. Maybe you need to grab a friend tonight and say a prayer. Maybe you need to spend some time just giving something over to the Lord that you've been carrying with tonight. But may you in this moment of worship engage with the creator whom we worship in this process so let's pray god we dedicate these final uh, moments to you god because we know that you want to meet us exactly where we are you show up when we feel like we're alone you wrap your arms around us when we feel like we're isolated God, we leave here tonight reminded of joy, of hope, of wisdom, of what it means to truly be a Christ follower. And God, as we leave here invited into a deeper relationship with you and also challenged, God, I just pray that you would help us to not just hear something tonight, but that we would actually this week start to do some of the very things, God, that you're moving in our hearts to do. God, we worship you in this moment because of who you are, what you've done, and, God, what you will continue to do in our lives and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.